1: Power. Welcome to the BCP podcast. Tell me that Joe Biden is a clown show, without telling me he's a clown show. That the whole thing is a clown show. Here's a question for you. He didn't really doze off, did he? I really like how John Nolte over at the uh, over at Breitbart uh, framed this. So let me just quote him. His fraudulency, Joe Biden appears to have dozed off during a ceremony in Hawaii to honor the victims of that awful Maui wildfire. See for yourself.
0: We are a community that relies on family, on ohana, whether by blood or by friendship.
2: But like many others,
0: my son's home burned up, my daughter's home burned down. my home burned up, my parents of 59 years
1: home. Isn't that ridiculous? When he finally woke up, I was surprised he didn't yell, bingo, I got bingo. <laughs> Uh, Sometimes Nulty really hits it out of the park. We know Biden wasn't praying. Biden moves his lips when he prays. You can always clearly see him mouthing the words, Oh, Satan, yay, Satan. How much rest does Joe Biden require? He's been on vacation for a couple of weeks now. He flew to Hawaii on one of the most luxurious planes ever. There's a comfortable bed, warm milk, and Matlock DVDs. (laughs) I just like Matlock as a kid. My parents watched that. Uh, But yeah, Air Force uh, One. You 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 arrive well-rested. Maybe he's still tired from saving his Corvette and cat from that horrific kitchen fire in 2004. And if you don't get the reference, when he was in Maui, Joe Biden tried to compare the suffering of the victims of the Maui fire and those who were left without home and have dead uh, loved ones and missing loved ones with a kitchen fire he had back in 2004 that was quickly put out, where he almost lost his wife, his cat, and his Corvette. Listen, I know Biden is too old to be president or to be left alone with matches, but in this case, his advanced age is a weak excuse. Like it or not, Joe Biden is president of the United States, and what happened and is happening in Maui is an American tragedy. Over 100 Americans are confirmed dead, over 800 Americans are still missing, and American city is devastated. This man can't be roused to pay attention and stay awake. Although he's doddering, he seems plenty aware of what's going on when he's out and about for an ice cream run or when this little kid's present. I would put that in there if I had been Nick Nolte. I keep saying Nick Nolte and it's John Nolte. I'm sorry, Nick Nolte is the actor. I make this mistake often. This tells me that whatever he has left in the tank that keeps him awake when he cares about something sure didn't want to kick in during a ceremony honoring dead Americans. This tells me he didn't and doesn't care, which, of course, comes as no surprise. This isn't the first time Biden has been caught dozing. In November 2021, he dozed off during some dumb climate conference in Scotland. So now we know that Biden has not mu- ha- has as much interest in dead Americans as he, do- he does in dull speeches about the weather. Former President George W. Bush was condemned for his handling of Katrina. It was a... Uh, A way for the corporate media to protect the local Democrats who bungled everything they touched, but Bush never dozed off like this. Nothing is more tiring than saying, imagine the fake media if Trump or Bush or any Republican was caught dozing off during a time like this. Yes, at this point, that's a dumb exercise, but look at this and this and this. There's nothing about this in the media, nothing, not a sound, not a peep, just 100% cover up. Democrats sure got it good. Welcome to the BCP podcast. I am James, the base conservative patriot, the black conservative patriot, the blessed conservative Christian patriarch of my home. Look, maybe Joe Biden was just tired from counting all of the middle fingers he received on his way to give his speech and tore the damage yesterday.
3: Wow, he's finally here. Wow, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing.
1: Okay. Richmond, north of Richmond. The first time I heard the song, I was just like, just watching, listening to it, and, and, and reading along the lyrics. And I was like, oh, this is good. Second time I listened to it, it moved me. It moved me. I'm not gonna say two tears, but pretty close to tears. Like I felt like you you when you're touched, and I think maybe the setting was different. The first time I heard it, I was sitting here in my studio, going through the news. It was one of the tabs I had open uh, for something of interest to me, and I was like, "Oh, that's a really good song." Uh, the second time I listened to it was with headphones, uh, with Bluetooth headphones, uh, laying in bed, uh, relaxed before going to bed after my evening prayers. And that's usually when I'm in a more of a reflective mood. Richmond North of Richmond makes unprecedented number one debut on Billboard Hot 100. Fame and fortune in equal measure have found country singer Oliver Anthony with his breakout viral hit Richmond North of Richmond debuting Monday at the very top of the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart. In doing so, Billboard reports the new Virginia icon becomes the first artist ever to launch atop the list with no prior chart history in any form. Anthony said to Billboard, The hopelessness and frustration of our times resonate in the response to this song. The song itself is not anything special, but the people who have supported it are incredible and deserve to be heard. Folks, I'm not a country music fan per se. And I know many within my audience loves country music. Uh, now I got to I got to I got to uh, uh, qualify that because I'm a big Johnny Cash fan. I'm not a huge, fan, but but I really like Johnny Cash. And he Johnny Cash is Johnny Cash. I guess he's country. Um, but the the bluesiness uh, of that song, and, and I hope we all realize that. Blues, bluegrass, country, they all come from the same, you know, the same kind of roots, the same, uh, they come from the same place. And Oliver Anthony's song just has that, just that bluesiness of, it's a country song, but it just has that heartstring. And almost everyone tells me, James, if you re-listen to more country music, you'll like it since you like blues a lot. This song is just incredible. And I'm so happy uh, for uh, his success and for the fact that he has rejected the country music giants who have wanted to pilfer and, uh, and capitalize on him and that people like Dan Bongino and others have come forward to help him free of charge in his, on his road to success, letting him keep all his rights to his music and what have you. I think that is a beautiful thing. Um, Richmond, North of Virginia, uh, excuse me, Richmond, North of Richmond, Oliver Anthony, says he is just so humble. He goes, I'm still in a state of shock. This is a couple weeks ago. At the outpouring of love, I've seen the comments, messages, and emails. I'm working to respond to everyone as quickly as possible. Impossible now for him to do.
3: Singer and songwriter Oliver Anthony has gone virtually unknown to household name. To a household name after surprise chart topper Richmond, north of Richmond, detailing the struggles of working class America.
0: Fox News correspondent Griff Jenkins caught up with him exclusively over the weekend at a concert in North Carolina. Griff, tell us what you found.
3: Well, hey, good
2: morning, guys. I found an artist unlike any alive today. He's the real deal. And Ainsley, you'll love this. He opened the show reading scripture before he played songs. And that message, well, he's given hope to those who are struggling just to get by. Take a look.
3: Drive back home and down my troubles over.
1: And I want you to listen to what he uh, had to say about where America uh, is going and his thoughts on how much time we have in this country if we don't correct what's going on.
0: I want people to appreciate each other and appreciate each other's struggles and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully just find the energy that was in this song and and manifest it in and people's own personal lives and just, just trying to find similarities with each other instead of division. That's, that's really all I want. I I mean, I don't see our country lasting more than another generation. The way we're headed, we've got to, we've got to go back to the roots of what made this country great in the first place.
1: We've got to go back to the roots of what made this country great in the first place. Hard work, thrift, families, morality, Judeo-Christian values, Strong defense, smart immigration, and that is why MAGA, Make America Great Again, resonates with so many people. It's not a racist dog whistle. America was great, and she wasn't perfect, but she worked on that. I mean, think of all the things that were done in this country. You had the abolishment of slavery. By the way, I know it's not politically correct, but slavery is still practiced in Muslim and in African countries. So to say that slavery is a white racist thing is ridiculous and it is historically disingenuous. About I know the leftist Marxist secular folks like to take credit for the liberal progressive idea of no Slavery, but it actually was championed by Christians in this country. So, of course, that has to do with historical facts, and that flies in the face of the narrative of the left. Now, what he said there was that uh, he's we're one generation. He, he gives us one generation. Well, if the deep state has their way, we wouldn't even make it through this generation. What do I mean? I'm talking about war and destruction. And to segue into my next story, just about an hour ago, Oliver dropped a new song. Let me play you the first minute of it because something he says in there will segue me into our next story.
3: Well, if it won't for my old dogs and good Lord, They'd have me strung up in the psych ward. Cause everyday living in this new world Is one too many days to me. Son, we're on the brink of the next world war And I don't think nobody's praying no more And I ain't saying I know it for sure I'm just down on my knees Begging the Lord take me home. I want to go
1: home. The line from his new song, I Want to Go Home, that I want to zero in on and use as a segue into our next story is the following line.
3: Son, we're on the brink
1: of the next world war. We're on the brink of the next world war, which is exactly what Tucker Carlson just tackled in his latest Tucker on Twitter show. Pretty much
3: everything that NBC News, and the New York Times have told you about the war in Ukraine is a lie. The Russian army is incompetent, they claim. Ukraine is a democracy. Vladimir Putin is Hitler and he's trying to take over the world. Thankfully, the Ukrainians are winning. None of that is true. Every claim is false, the last one especially. The Ukrainian army is not winning. In fact, it's losing badly. Ukraine is being destroyed. Its population is being slaughtered in lopsided battles with a technologically superior enemy or scattered by the millions to the rest of the globe as refugees. Ukraine is running out of soldiers. As that happens, the question will inevitably arise, who's gonna replace them? If the Ukrainians can't beat Putin, who will? The answer, of course, will be us. American troops will fight the Russian army in Eastern Europe. That's most
1: likely. And the assumption is we'll win. But will we win? All right, to make his point and to get some true information in about will we win and what this looks like, he got a military advisor who served this country and advised the Department of Defense under Trump. But will we win? Probably not
3: says former Army Colonel Douglas McGregor, a decorated combat veteran who advised the Secretary of Defense in the last administration. The U.S., says McGregor, is on the brink of a catastrophic war that could very easily destroy us. Few Americans seem to understand
1: that, but they should. You know who does understand it? And they're trying to put him in jail because of it? Donald Trump, our 45th president, the greatest president of my lifetime, bar none, and a man who not only did not start any wars, he ended them. And he wants to do the same in Ukraine for the love of humanity, for the love of life. I will say this, even now, despite
0: tremendous loss of lives and destruction of much of that country, I would have a peace deal negotiated within 24 hours. You could make a peace deal, you could make a deal for both right now, 24 hours. That deal could be done. That deal is waiting to be done, but there's nobody to do it.
1: All right. President Trump wants peace. he do it within 24 hours. No more bloodshed. Let's jump into just a few snippets I want to share with you from this conversation that Tucker Carlson just put up. And let's start off with all the lies, including that Ukraine is winning and the reality that it's a slaughter and the Ukrainians no longer want to be slaughtered. Doug McGregor, thanks for joining
3: us. Um, How would you assess and describe the state of the war in Ukraine right now?
2: That's an important question and not enough people have good answers at this point. I think all of the lies that have been told for more than a year and a half about the Ukrainians are winning. The Ukrainian cause is just the Russians are evil. The Russians are incompetent. All of that is collapsing and it's collapsing because what's happening on the battlefield is horrific. Ukrainians now we think have lost 400,000 men killed in battle. Uh, we were talking about 300, 350,000 a few months ago. within in the last month of this supposed counteroffensive, which was to sweep the battlefield. They lost at least 40,000 killed. We don't even know how many people have been wounded, but we know that probably upwards of 40 to 50,000 soldiers are amputees. We know the hospitals are full. And we know that Ukrainian units at the platoon and company level, that's with anywhere from 50 to 150 to 200 men, are in piecemeal fashion surrendering to the Russians. Not because they don't want to fight. It's because they can't fight anymore. They have so many wounded, they can't evacuate them. And commanders are saying, well, if I can't evacuate my wounded, I'm going to surrender because otherwise the wounded will die. And so they call the Russians. they, They all speak Russian and tell them on the radio, look, I've got 50, 60 wounded here. I'm gonna surrender because I don't want them to be killed. And the Russians from the very beginning have always treated the Ukrainian soldiers very fairly and very gently. And so they know they're not gonna be abused or mistreated. They know they can actually be exchanged for Russian prisoners in the future. So they've surrendered.
1: All right, this is a fascinating segment. A lot of details if you're a guy. If you're a military guy, probably really enjoyed this. If you're a man like me whose father is a retired corpsman, brother served in the army, but I did not serve. Sometime I can tell you the story of how I attempted to serve and it just didn't work out. You'd find this interesting, even if you're not into military, because he debunks a lot of the lies with details about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. Now, I want to concentrate on, let me see here, I think there are three clips that I've isolated that I want to share with you on why we would not win a war with Russia. And, of course, the best way to avoid this situation. All right, so let's get into this first reason that he discussed,
2: readiness. They have over 300,000 combat troops in reserve in Russia. And I think they're sitting there and not being released to fight because President Putin anticipates the possibility that we will intervene in Western Ukraine. And if we intervene in Western Ukraine, the Russians will be ready for that. And the consequences for us and for NATO will be devastating because we are not ready to fight the Russians.
1: Now, let me paraphrase something he spoke about. After he he said this, he talked about the demoralization And the lack of discipline in the military. The division of people based on differences. And he didn't say it, but you can kind of get the idea. He's talking about the transgender people and transgender generals and people who are elevated, not because they are warriors and have, what are the three words he said, uh, like discipline, uh, intelligence. I can't remember the other thing he said, but, you know, the warrior ethos they don't have that it's political all this pronouns and transgenderism all it's all by design to weaken our military and we would not be ready talking about not just numbers but just the moral ability the discipline to go to war but there's more
0: Meanwhile, President Biden says the U.S. is running out of weapons it can give to Ukraine, let alone what kind. Uh, News Nation's Kelly Meyer joins me now live from
2: Washington, D.C. Kelly, a lot to break down here. Yeah, Brooke, and he's talking about these 155 millimeter rounds that have been in high demand since the war in Ukraine began. The Biden administration has said that the Ukrainians are running out of ammunition as they continue with their counteroffensive against Russia. And in a recent network interview, President Biden seemed to reveal the U.S. is also running low. Take a listen. They're running out of those, that ammunition and we're low on it. The only limitation on your ability to target and destroy the enemy is ammunition. The Russians, of course, have no shortages whatsoever. You recall at the beginning of this, we have all these shortages, right? The Russians can't keep up with missiles. The Russians can't keep up with shells. Well, they have multiple manufacturing facilities operating seven days a week at 24 hours a day. We have no surge capacity in the United States. It would take us many, many months to come up to that kind of standard where we could actually compete in high, high high-end conventional warfare. And that's why people like me and others worry that if we get into a confrontation, that we cannot win because the world has changed, warfare has changed, integrated air defences will knock virtually everything that flies out of the sky, that we will then fall back on a nuclear deterrent.
1: Joe Biden and these Marxist, treasonous, traitorous, murderous rat bastards are putting us on a collision course for nuclear confrontation.
0: Larry, you watch him, he can't put two sentences together. He doesn't know where he is. He can't walk up a flight of stairs, let alone down a flight of stairs. And you look at this guy, we have the most corrupt president in the history of our country, and we have the most incompetent, simultaneously the most incompetent president. And what he's doing to this country, what's going on with Joe Biden, is so, it's just it's insane. But when you watch him. He can't speak, he can't walk, he can't do anything. And he's telling us about
1: energy and he's telling us about Russia and nuclear weapons. This guy is gonna get us into a nuclear war. Folks, this is one of the reasons why I love, many. one of the many reasons I love President Trump and why a lot of Bernie bros and people from the progressive left finally came over on the Trump train. Because they've seen that the man that they have wanted To end wars is not a Bernie Sanders or a socialist, but a capitalist who strengthened our military and got us out of wars. uh, Peace through strength. And it was working. And that's why I want to show you this last clip from Colonel Douglas McGregor. I invite you to watch the uh, entire segment if this is of interest to you. But this is the point I want to make. I love President Trump. He is a peace and prosperity president. Whereas Joe Biden is taking us toward, or his handlers, of course, are taking us toward a nuclear cliff. One that the mainstream media and the pundits make it seem like we can come back from, that we can just dabble in nuclear conflict. But once it gets started, it doesn't end well.
2: That we will then fall back on a nuclear deterrent. A tactical nuclear weapon that says, if you keep advancing, we'll have to use a nuclear weapon. We don't want to go there because the notion that there are so-called tactical nukes, you've heard that expression? Yes. Oh, that's just a little duke. So that won't precipitate a major war. The use of any nuclear weapon is going to precipitate escalation very rapidly because your opponents will assume that if they don't use their nuclear weapons, they're going to lose them. So we're living in a terrible dilemma right now. The smartest thing that we can do is end this war.
1: Well, how do we end this war? We end this war by ending this fake presidency. But unfortunately, we don't have allies in that fight. For instance, Kevin McCarthy is all talk but no action. One show that I do uh, watch occasionally because I think it's really good uh, is Larry Kudlow's show uh, on Fox. I just showed you a segment there that he had last week with President Trump. And today, he had Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy, as a supposed leader of the Republicans, could work with the Senate to try and get Biden impeached. They impeached in the House, which is like bringing charges or indicting him. Even if the Senate, who listens to the whole indictment proceedings and then uh, cast judgment, didn't do it, the House should still impeach Biden. That would be a step toward doing the right thing. And we know that the DOJ is not gonna do anything with Hunter Biden or Joe Biden. They're on the same team. But really, so is Kevin McCarthy. We could stop this war and end this madness And I just hope we can make it until January 20th, 2025, when President number 45, Donald John Trump, becomes 47. Because listen to what McCarthy tells uh, Larry Kudlow. They're not going to impeach him before then.
0: Um, I want to get to Bidenomics. I want to get to student loans. I want to get to a whole bunch of things. But uh, the first one I want to take up, we've had quite a lot of discussion about it, and that is... um, uh, potential impeachment inquiry. Uh, as you know, the whole deal in Wilmington, Delaware, has fallen apart. Now we have a special prosecutor, this uh, David Weiss, who many people think is part of the problem, certainly not the solution. If you could just give us your thinking on an impeachment inquiry, Mr. Speaker.
3: Well, thank you, Larry, and to, to all your viewers. Remember, the only reason you know of all this information is because we took the
1: majority and we're holding the administration accountable. Holding the administration accountable. I don't think that word means what you think it means. Holding someone accountable would mean there'd be some consequences for their bad actions. Now Kerry McCarthy makes all kinds of excuses about what it would take for them to not do an inquiry and what is leading up to an impeachment inquiry. But through all of the goobly gawk that he says in this conversation with Larry Kudlow, I want to show you this. I think this pretty much tells you everything you need to know. If the Biden administration continues to fight to withhold information that could really clear
3: all this up, did they take bribes? Did they deal in the business? If they hold that up, we would have to move to an impeachment inquiry, which, you know, Larry, gives the apex of power to Congress when it comes to our subpoena power and others to get the documents we need, the bank statements, the credit card statements and others. Show us where the money went. Show us, where you taking money from outside sources? And
1: uh, that would clear most of this up. But they seem to fight it every step of the way. If they provided it, it would clear most of this up. Okay, now what they want you to believe is that, well, Joe Biden's never going to produce this, so it's never going to be cleared up and they're going to go to an impeachment inquiry. But knowing that Kevin McCarthy is part of the swamp, knowing that they're all working on the same uniparty team, is it possible, just possible, that the Bidens will come up with some willy-nilly documentation And Kevin McCarthy can say, well, we got the information we're requesting, everything looks good, we don't need to move to an impeachment inquiry. Or would they get a little bit of something and then keep waiting for more information until the Democrats replace Joe Biden, either by him falling down, slipping, having a sudden heart attack, having dementia or something else where they just take him completely off the board, And the whole thing goes away and we get another fake person in until President Trump. Am I reading into this more? Or is Kevin McCarthy pretty much saying, if they give us something, this thing will go away. That's all we need. I don't know. I'll let you be the judge. I'll be back tomorrow. And I'll finally be out of this craziness called California and back to somewhat normalcy in my home Freedom of death, we got to fight the powers that be Fight the power